Right. Hello and good afternoon, good evening and morning to everyone who's listening. Um, my name is Dominic Terrell. I have with me Callum, who is <coughs> going to help me today as we host another episode of FBN Nations. How was everything, Callum? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Yeah, all good. I got a nice green arrow last week and um, generally this week's been pretty good. How about yourself? It's been good. Um, I have... I myself have some um, questions that I probably would need to be answered today um, because I haven't made any transfers my, for my team. Um, I got a small red arrow last week, but I'm not too concerned because my team has um, a lot of good pieces in it and I think any long run would be a very good um, a very good team going forward. So I'm not too concerned as yet. Um, what I wanted to start with though, and I think we could obviously you know mix and match with the topics a little bit, is what do you think about the captaincy pick, because I know it's a topic that probably people will just put behind on the back of Salah and leave. But do you think that there's any options outside of Salah or is just Salah all the way until you see otherwise? Well, I think there's a couple of options, a couple of good options actually this week. I think obviously you've got Salah. He's playing uh, Southampton this week. Southampton have been fairly good at the back this year, but this um, Liverpool that we're talking about, so I feel yeah. like he'll be a, a really good option. But I think we can talk about um, maybe a couple of options, actually. I think you've got um, Bardi, who's playing Watford. And yeah. having seen Watford over the last sort of couple of weeks, you know, they're playing well. They're playing well under Ranieri, but they're still conceding some goals. And I feel like the way Leicester are playing at the moment, Watford are going to want to attack um, Leicester. And I think that will suit Vardy as an option. Um, if if Watford are playing their two at the top, King and Dennis, um, or even you know a striker and two wingers, I really think that that will leave them quite exposed behind. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a really high scoring game. I think Vardy could yeah. get on the score sheet. Um, I think Jimenez is another option. He's playing a Norwich side who are still conceding a lot of goals, although, again, they've been a little bit better under Dean Smith. But I still think, you know, it's Norwich, and Wolves are on quite good form at the moment. Um, they managed to keep out West Ham last week, who were fairly free-scoring for fun. They put free past Liverpool, so that's good for them defensively. And going forward, Jimenez is still sort of picking up goals against teams no matter who they are I think he's another option and I think it's worth talking about a defender captain a defender this week because mm. they've been scoring double digits nearly every single week um, obviously with the news of Chilwell being out uh, which we'll come on to a bit later I don't know if that will impact James's returns as well um, and obviously the busy schedule which again we'll talk about a bit later is coming up now so again may affect James's output um, but you've still got the likes of Alexander-Arnold if you think Southampton won't score or you've got um, you know, Rudiger if you think Chelsea can keep a clean sheet against Man U, you've got Cancelo if you think uh, Manchester City can keep a clean sheet and get some attacking returns so I think you actually have a lot of options and Salah hasn't been playing I say not massively well. He's still got three returns in three, but compared yeah. to his earlier season form where he was scoring double digits every single week um, 
over the last three games, he's got five points, five points and eight points. So I don't think it's essential anymore to captain Salah. Uh, but again, it's Southampton. So, you know, I think there's a lot of options there. I'm going with Salah personally. What? Who are you looking at? Uh, yeah, personally, I'm, I have it on Salah right now. I like that you mentioned Jimenez because Jimenez is my vice. There is a chance that it changes, but I don't see it happening. Um, because, as you said, Salah is going to be majority pick again this week, especially against a team like Southampton, who conceded two against Norwich, by the way, last week. And that was something that affected me personally because I had both Livermento and McCarthy starting in my back line. So that was two points, I think, between both of them. Um, but I, I'm also glad you mentioned Jimenez because I think in terms of informed players, we can class him as one of those. Because And it's been interesting as a Jimenez player, um, Jimenez owner, since game week four when I wildcarded, he has been not necessarily on like a Salah level, of course, but he's been consistently returning and returning big. So, for example, and I think Callum and I discussed this previously, he's playing for a team like Wolves, where if he gets an attacking return, he's usually going to be very high up on the bonus points list because there's not many other options outside of probably one at the occasional return of Traore, um, where you'll see people high up on that bonus point list as an attacker, which is like a very a case in point was the last game week where he got he scored the only goal and got two bonus points. And um, the only other people that were on the bonus points list was Sa, the goalkeeper, and Cody. And that was as a result of them keeping a clean sheet against West Ham. So you see there that, you know, there's major upside to somebody like Jimenez who, once he gets a goal or once he gets an assist, he's probably going to be, you know, in on the bonus points. But yeah, it is interesting. Um, I like the, the whole dynamic now about defenders because it's definitely a choice that we have to make. Um, I personally... As you mentioned, Cancelo as well. I personally think that there might be some, you know, hesitancy with that going forward. At least it should be. Because knowing uh, Man City as well as I do, I know that going forward with these fixtures, particularly coming up that are so close together, there is a big chance that a lot of strike um, starters in particular, especially those who've been playing consistently like Cancelo, will be rotated and rested just because of the amount of workload that has been on their shoulders of late and the amount of workload that's going to continue into December. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm not saying that he's not going to start this weekend, but what I'm saying is that in the future, don't be surprised if you see him either come off the bench or just not be on the pitch at all. Um, but yeah, so moving forward, I think, as you mentioned, defenders, and particularly Chelsea defenders with James, who do you think going forward for people who've already bought Chilwell, those who unfortunately may have bought Chilwell early before the UCL game and have just seen the news that he's injured probably for a while too. There's some rumours that it might be for the season. Who do you think will be good replacements for Chilwell, um, especially going forward? I think the main replacement you've got to think about is going to be Alonso. Um I don't know if actually that's a good point. I don't know if Emerson is actually still with the Chelsea squad, to be honest. Um mm. if I have a look through the Chelsea defence here, you've got for the people who can play on the left, you've basically got uh Chilwell and Alonso and other than that I don't really see who else 
you could who who else Tuchel could play there. Um, so for me, Alonso is by far the safest bet uh, going forward. You've obviously got your your other options, the other defenders who are doing well. Um, obviously, you've got a nice fix, a couple of nice fixture swings, which we'll talk about a bit later. But teams like um, Leicester, Brentford, West Ham. So if you wanted to go, maybe a slightly cheaper defender, um, so you could upgrade elsewhere. You could always go to um, I don't know, say say Cresswell or someone like that um, for West mm-hmm. Ham's good upcoming fixtures after game week. I think fourteen. Um. But yeah, I, I think I think the main replacement's got to be Alonso. Really, have you any thoughts? Yeah, if we're, if you're staying, um, if you particularly want to stay with Chelsea, Fernandez and Alonso would be the go-to for me. Um, especially since before the upsurge in returns for James and Chilwell, Alonso was the go-to pick um, at the beginning of the season. I remember a lot of people running towards him, um, mm. especially when he was guaranteed to start. Um, so now that he's pretty much back into the equation, I think Alonso would be the way to go. And we know that you know his attacking progress speaks for itself. He's usually somebody who's very far advanced. But somebody that I also like to mention, and and it's something that showed itself very, very um, in like a large way last week was Regulon, because if you look at the Tottenham Leeds game, particularly second half, because the first half was like a complete um, horror show for Tottenham in terms of possession and the way in which they attacked Leeds, which really wasn't that existent. Um, the second half really highlighted the new role that is defined under um, Conte for Regulon. And that is, he's going to be much more advanced as a wing-back as opposed to just a, a regular um, full-back. And he's going to be given the license to shoot, pass, give assists, um, and make basically make those attacking runs that somebody like a winger would usually make. So I think going forward, especially at his price, he would be somebody who you should definitely look at. And just as an interesting stat, which I think I mentioned earlier, he now has, I think, as many penalty touches, penalty touches in the box, or box that touches in the penalty box, um, as Kane since Conte has arrived, which is insane to think about. But it also did show itself um as something to note because I could have noticed that because it really did seem as if Regulon was um playing second striker to Kane at times. So that's somebody else I would definitely go to if um you're looking to immediately replace Chelwell. Definitely. I think that's someone we spoke about on our, our last podcast as well was Regulon. I think yeah, like you said, I think he's a really good option to be honest. If he's gonna be getting into the box as much as a, a second striker would, then you know, you'd have to think whether he might be actually slightly underpriced at about five million. I think he's five point one million, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. So yeah, like you said, I think he could be a really good option. Um, if I can just move back to captaincy, actually, for a second, um, mm-hmm. I had a look at a poll this week for um, who would be most likely to be captained, um, and it was ninety five percent on Salah, uh, with about four percent on Ronaldo. And one percent on Vardy. Um, to me, that suggests that he's gonna have an effective ownership of about a hundred and ninety percent. Which, if you do go against Salah, you've got to be really careful because if Salah hauls ten plus points and your captain doesn't, you're effectively losing 
10 points um, in rank on everyone else, which is exactly. really bad. Um, but I was having a quick think just, just now, actually, and I think Trent Alexander-Arnold could be in for a good captaincy shout um, this week coming up. So the way Liverpool have generally defended this season is um, it's, it's actually followed a bit of a pattern. So they've sort of kept two clean sheets, then they've conceded a few goals, two clean sheets, conceded a few goals, two clean sheets. Um, and so obviously every time they concede quite a few goals, what it feels like is happening is that Klopp's saying to them, you know, tighten up the defence for the next game, and then they're keeping a couple of clean sheets in a row. And since they conceded two to Brighton and three to West Ham, uh, Klopp's then tightened up the defence and they've kept a clean sheet against Arsenal. So that would suggest to me, especially with an easy game like, I say easy, for Liverpool, what should be an easy game against Southampton, I'm I'm actually willing to bet that Alexander-Arnold probably will keep a clean sheet. Um, And his attacking returns as well have been really good. So against uh, Man United, he got uh, an assist and a bonus point. Against West Ham, he got uh, one goal, one assist and three bonus points. And that was when they lost. Um, And against Arsenal, again, he got two assists and three bonus points again. So I really think that he's really in form going forward at the moment, as well as defensively. So... This is very much tempting me to actually captain Alexander Arnold this week rather than Salah, but it's a risk. That's a huge risk too. And the other thing is that I think um, one of the things that's going to really determine how many points he returns is obviously the likelihood of him getting a clean sheet or not. Because I think, and it's obviously tricky with somebody like Trent, who's going to get attacking returns regardless. If you strike him on the rare occasion he doesn't hit an attacking return, so let's say he doesn't get an assist or a goal, then his likelihood of returns drops from double digits to six and below. And then from the time you see Southampton scrape any kind of goal, then his uh, projected points drops from six to um, two. And then anything below that will happen after they, if they concede again. So that's always the risk that's going to be run with captaining and defender is that you have stages where they can um, return your points and it goes from one stage to the other anytime they concede or anytime they don't return. Mm. So I guess it's some, definitely something that you're going to have to look at your own situation and see if it's worth it or not. I personally wouldn't take the risk right now in captaining and defender. I think one of the things that I'm going to look at going forward is if um, potentially um, Salah is either injured, probably he's gone probably two games or so without returning at all. But I don't think it's worth the risk in terms of overall ranking um, to do that. However, if if you do find it within yourself to captain somebody as outside of Salah, then I I I agree with Alam completely when I when I when I would say um that Trent might be one of those biggest options. Because he can go big, and as you've highlighted, he's gone big in succession of late. So, and he's also been in the line for bonus points above people like Salah and Jota and all the other attackers because of his ability to get um, assists and then get them in regular quantities, um, which would be then um, supplemented with the fact that he can get six points easily if he gets a clean sheet. So it is a lot to weigh up. Um, I personally 
looking towards um keeping it on Salah. Um, I don't think I've ever even captained a defender before any time I've played FPL. So if that ever does happen, it's going to be a first. But I definitely hear what you're saying, and it does make sense to uh, at least look at him as an option as well. Interestingly, over the last seven, eight, seven games, um, Southampton have scored in all of them, which is something to consider. So um, even against Chelsea in game week seven, they scored a goal. They beat Leeds 1-0, 2-0, 1-0, 1-0, 2-1. So they've scored in literally every match since game week six when they lost 1-0 to Wolves. Um, right. So again, something to consider is that are they just attacking really well at the moment or if they just had a nice run? I would probably suggest that they've had a really easy fixture run. Um, and even in that time, they've uh, lost 2-1 to Norwich. They've drawn 2 all to Burnley. So, yeah, it's it's hard to weigh up, really, whether it's the good fixture run that's caused them to score in every match since game week six or whether it's... The fact that they are attacking well and they're attacking as a unit and they've sort of gelled um, nicely since uh, over the summer. Yeah, and I think on, on that note, we can go towards transfers because I know Adam Armstrong has been on the, on the list of a couple of people's mentions when it, turns, when it comes to um, one of those cheap options at striker position because, as we all know, there's always been a... This complaint of late um, regarding strikers, especially those that are more expensive, that you expect to return, haven't been returning um, in the volume that you want. We already mentioned Jimenez as one of the options to buy, but he's 7.8 right now, last I checked. And he is, but he is somebody that is an option who is in form and is playing a very good fixture, at least this upcoming game week. So my question to you would have been, in lieu of that start that you just gave me with Southampton having scored against um, everybody since game week six, I think it was you said, mm. um, with Adam Armstrong, because I know Adam Armstrong has had a hand in some of those goals as well as Che Adams. Would people like those be in your transfer list for this particular fixture or any fixture coming up? Um, um, he certainly wouldn't be in my radar for this particular fixture just because he plays... Liverpool next. Um, I mean, probably not even for my next six or seven transfers, if I'm being honest, because they've had their nice run and now they come on to a run of Liverpool, Leicester, Brighton, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Brentford and West Ham, which are really, really, you know, you could argue Brentford or Crystal Palace or Brighton could be easy. But again, those teams are known for defending really well. Brentford could be a good game for him, but other than that, no, I think it's going to be a really tricky run for Southampton, and if I'm honest, I'd probably be looking to sell the assets rather than than buy them at this point. Exactly, okay. I understand. So then who would make a chance for this for this week? Because I know that you're wildcarding soon, and that we'll get to that in a minute, but who would be a transfer that you would make? Even if you're, you're not making in particular, what would be a transfer you'd recommend to somebody to make for this upcoming fixture um, game week? I'd certainly think, obviously, it, it all depends who you have, but I, I would certainly consider actually a striker option um, at the moment. I think you've got some good striking options. You've got Benteke, you've got 
Um, Jimenez. If anything, I think Jimenez, if you don't have him right now, is probably the best option just because he plays Norwich. Um, yeah, there's there's a, there's a couple of options. I can't remember the rest of them at the moment. Hang on, let me have a quick look. Yeah, I think, um, and I know this is going to be probably anti what most people are doing. I think most people are looking to sell him, but Vardy comes onto a really nice fixture run at the moment. Um, so he plays Watford in his next game, then Southampton, Villa, Newcastle, and Spurs, all of which are conceding, you know, one or two plus goals every single game week. So I, I'm potentially looking at. My my fixture, my transfer, sorry, personally would be Antonio to Jimenez. Antonio's fixture runs particularly hard. So he's got Man City, Brighton, Chelsea, Burnley and Arsenal, who again, all generally do quite well at keeping clean sheets. Um, so that'll be my transfer this week, Mikel Antonio to Raul Jimenez. How about yourself? Yeah, um, I think as uh, him and as well, as I mentioned, um, I think I'm very good with that selection. He's going to be my vice captain, at least guaranteed vice captain. I don't know if I want to change change the captain, but um, outside of that, I'm looking for somebody probably in my midfield who can replace Foden. I'm right now looking at Jota. I, um, I always have this thing against tripling up on players because I already own both Salah and Trent, who both consistently return. But one of the biggest hits that caused me to get a red arrow last week was the fact that I, I didn't have that trio of Jota, Salah and Trent who all either scored or assisted. And that definitely hit me because I in my com- in comparison, I had um, a one-point Foden who came off my bench because Rafina didn't play. And that definitely hit my rank a lot. Um, so Jota probably is an option for Foden um, because right now I'll, I'll save about 0.4 if I make that immediate switch. And another chance I'm looking at is my goalkeeper because I'm um, a McCarthy owner. Really was due to the fact that he had three great game weeks in a row and I got two returns out of them. And then the last one, which is the one I really expected him to get a return in, ended up conceding two to Norwich. And now that he has Liverpool coming up and I'm captaining Salah, I really do expect um, a goal fest, at least on Liverpool's end. Um, So I think... I'm going to try to replace him. If I don't, I'm just going to be praying that he gets saves points. Um, and I might be going towards the direction of someone like a Sanchez um, or something like that. I'm still weighing the options there. Another thing I wanted to consider too, and I just remembered it, is as much as he doesn't have a, um, a flag on him, I don't see a flag on him in the game, Rafina's coming off an illness. And I just, just remember that. And uh, as a result of that, it, there is always the risk that he might feel some effects of that, even though he's had some time to rest because he didn't, he didn't even travel with the team last week. So I'm pretty sure if he's going to be um, well, it's going to be now. Um, and he is playing a Brighton team who um, can concede, especially against a Leeds team that's going to look to, towards him to give them attacking returns. There might be an option that you know he may not be up to his best. But I I like my team outside of that. Um, I might be looking towards another attacking defender like Regulon, 
Um, especially seeing that somebody like Diaz might be rotated in the future. Livermento has very tough games coming up. Um, and I also still have this 3.9 defender who's not really going to start consistently from Norwich. So mm. those are the options that I am currently weighing up. I'm also going to trust the fixtures for Vardy because and I think as the next thing we should touch on, um, Vardy's team is one of the teams that has a good fixture run coming up. Because um, Leicester play, as you said, Watford next, and then they have very, very good games in succession right after that. So I think even though he's out of form, I'm going to trust him and leave him in for at least this game week and just go by game by game. I'm going to try to watch the games too so that I can see if he's getting into position, if Leicester are finding him, if he's looking good when he gets the ball at his feet, those type of things. And I'll definitely make my decision based off of that. Um, so yeah, um, just on that note, what are the other teams that you have noticed have either good or bad fixtures things coming up? Because we know we mentioned Leicester already. Yeah, but it, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Rafinha as um, you know someone potentially you're looking to replace because, I, I, like you said, he's he's got a bad fixture run coming up. I think he plays um, quite a few of the top ten in his next few. So I think his next game is Brighton. Then he goes into Crystal Palace, who have been playing well. Uh, Brentford could be a good game for him, and then he goes into Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, and then Liverpool. So, realistically, you know, six of those next seven are absolutely awful. If if I was a Rafinha owner, I would genuinely be looking to to sell him and move him on, just for that run of games, and maybe mm. in you know game week nineteen, game week twenty, something like that, potentially bring him back in. Um, you've got Leicester, like we've already mentioned, they've got a good fixture run, so we won't touch on that again. Uh, Brentford have still got their good fixture run, so obviously Brentford's fixture run lasted a long time, but their next few games are Everton, who aren't playing well, Tottenham, who aren't playing well, uh, Leeds, who have got loads and loads of injuries, you've got Watford... United, again, conceding a lot of goals, Southampton, Brighton... So, you know, their set of seven games in a row are probably looking pretty bad. And Everton as well. So Everton are an interesting one because they, they're kind of in the middle of their bad run of fixtures. So they've already had uh, Wolves who are playing well, Man City. Um, their next game is Brentford, which could be good for them. But then they go into uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, Crystal Palace and Chelsea, which are going to be three three or four really hard games for them. But then they go on a nice nice fixture run, actually, which is it's a bit far in the future, but they've got a, a run of about eight games in a row where they play basically the bottom ten teams, um, which is looking good for them. But at the moment, they're also a hard avoid for me, especially with Calvert-Lewin being out. I think Richarlison has... He's, he's either on four or five yellow cards, so I think... I can't remember if he's suspended at the moment, but... I think he's certainly on four yellow cards. Um, so he, if he picks up one more, he's going to be suspended for a game, which would also impact owners. Oh, okay. Um, so at the moment for this week, those are the teams with good and bad sort of fixture swings. I think next week we can start talking about the top teams again. So Liverpool, Manchester City... Uh, West Ham, you know, Crystal Palace again. 
they've all got really good fixture swings. Um, but those are the ones at the at the moment. Um, I suppose the one thing we've got to consider really with fixture swings at the moment, if teams are rotating their players, there's probably a higher chance of some goals because if you've got, say, the likes of, I don't know, Brighton coming up against Man City, um, if Man City are rotating half their squad, Brighton have a higher chance of scoring. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. Um, not even saying they'll score, but uh, I suppose fixture swings are slightly less important actually over the Christmas period because of all the rotations. Um, stronger mm. teams put out weaker sides, um, and even some players in weaker teams probably get rotated if they can't last ninety minutes. So, likes of Corne for Brighton, who hasn't played a full ninety minutes yet. Um, you know, if he can't play ninety minutes once per week. I highly doubt he can play two lots of 90 minutes uh, or three lots of 90 minutes over the course of one week. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, I guess the, I think the point of um of that likelihood of conceding a lot more with the team rotating is a very important point to note because um, not because it's an easy game means that the team is going to play at full strength. Especially with these fixtures being as jam-packed as they are for the weeks coming up, um, it's definitely going to be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on um, moving forward. I think with that, we can <clears throat> we can then return to one of the points you mentioned earlier about the wildcard options. Because I know particularly for you, you're going to be wildcarding very soon. Um, what are the, op- how are the options stacking up for you? And what are the things that you're looking out for to solidify your decisions what are the what reasons are you using to choose which players that you're going to be um bringing in for your wildcard mm, so i'm planning on playing my wildcard in game week 14 um i think like we've mentioned previously there's a massive fixture swing there for man city liverpool west ham crystal palace all of the teams who are playing well at the moment uh, all have a good fixture swing as well um, I've got a few options and certainly something I've learned actually over the course of this season so far is picking up players who are nailed um, when their price suggests they shouldn't be. So someone like, well, Reese James Cancelo, who all have a slightly lower price because they're not nailed. If they then become nailed in that team, they become undervalued. So I think it's important for me to identify those and bring them in. So, for example, at the moment, um, Jota is first on my list because he's a 7.6 million midfielder, or basically playing a striker uh, for Liverpool. So he's playing out of position. He's playing for Liverpool. He's nailed, and he's only re- he's only 7.6 million. He's straight in my team. Um, right. For that same reason, uh, I'll be looking at Alonso now. Um, I had previously planned on bringing in Chilwell, uh, but I think Alonso for me is going to basically be 100% in. Um, And I'm looking, and this may be a risk, but I'm looking at some slightly cheaper options for some of the better teams. So, because I think all all the midweek games coming up, um, Man City also play the Champions League um, on the 7th, which is another midweek game for them. So I think they've got three midweek games in a month. 
Cancelo must be rested at some point. Um, you would yeah. bet that Kyle Walker would play right back and Zinchenko might play left back. If that is the case, um, Zinchenko could be a cheap bench option, but a way to get into the Man City defence. So you'd play Zinchenko and he's unlikely to come on if he doesn't start. But if he does start, you've got yourself a cheap Man City defender. It's something that I'm weighing up at the moment. Um, it, it it could work and it's a little bit risky and you spend a little bit more money for a bench option, but in return you get a cheap player who could keep a clean sheet if they play. Um, then you've got kind of some inform strikers. So you've got... Um, I'm looking at Benteke. Um, I'm looking at... In fact, if I just get my... Um, screenshot that I sent you of what team I'm looking at. So I, I was looking at uh, Benteke, Jimenez and Dennis um, all because I think they're they're all on form and they're all fairly cheap. I think some of the cheaper strikers at the moment are flying under the radar a little bit so Dennis and King are probably some of the most informed strikers at the moment. Um, they haven't got a bad fixture run and then you've got Benteke who everyone's talking about this week Um you know, his XG per 90 is some of the top in the league at the moment. Um, he's been provided a lot of chances and it seems as though even when he's playing 20 minutes at the end of the game or half an hour if he comes on for Edward, um, he's still getting chances. He's still getting the XG there, even in limited time. Um, so he's one on there as well. And uh, Jimenez is Jimenez. Like like we said earlier, if if he notches a goal in the game, he's likely to get bonus points because Wolves don't don't win by two or three goals. You know, all their all their uh, goal involvement goes through him. Um, so it's him and the defenders who are likely to get the the bonus points. Um, You know, other options for me are going to be Regulon, which I've considered. So, so for me, I was I'm still looking at big at the back. So I've at the moment I've got Alexander Arnold, James Cancelo, Alonso, Regulon, which is a massive back line. Uh, but then you can kind of go a bit cheaper in midfield with Salah, uh, Gallagher, Jota, and you can potentially look at maybe Bowen for West Ham and Bernardo, uh, Bernardo Silva for Man City. Again, two cheap options playing in good attacking sides. Um, and then you can complete that lineup with Benteke, Jimenez and Dennis. And that actually, surprisingly, still leaves you with 2.1 million in the bank. Um, that's the team That's the team I'm looking at at the moment. Uh, goalkeeper is probably to be decided. I've gone with Guaita at the moment, but I haven't been massively impressed with the Crystal Palace defence. I think I'd probably prefer... Either a safe bet in Ramsdale or maybe Jose Sarr as another option in goal. Uh, but that's how I'm looking at the moment. Um, all subject to change after this game week if anyone gets injured. Maybe there'll be a more of an update on Chilwell. Um, so I think Tuchel said he would reevaluate in six weeks. So for now, you know, that's nine game weeks, ten game weeks maybe. That's that's plenty of time to have Alonso in. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. 
Um, also, just wanted to touch on this point that I just thought of. With regard to that Liverpool Southampton game, as much as it's looking in the direction of Liverpool easy victory, I must point out as well that Liverpool haven't necessarily been the most dominant players on the defensive end. Yes, they've been able to out, you know, out-muscle most of the top teams, but when they have met a team that really looked at them and said, OK, we're going to attack you and attack you consistently, i.e. Brighton and also Man City when they played one of you know, the best games of the season so far, you you saw that they were very fragile, um, especially when they attacked the wings or the wing backs of um, Liverpool, particularly Trent and Robertson. And even you would know because when West Ham, um, West Ham beat them, West Ham scored three goals. So I think there's always going to be an option of looking at a potential differential in whoever's attacking against a Liverpool squad. I'm not saying obviously they're guaranteed to score, but I do think it's worth mentioning that Liverpool aren't a guaranteed clean sheet as much as a team like Chelsea or probably Man City would be. For sure, for sure. Chelsea and Man City's defence is uh, on another level this year. I think uh, Liverpool's defence has probably been third best. Maybe Crystal Palace and West Ham. Um, in fact, I can check. Yeah, so Crystal Palace have been third for you know the least amount of goals conceded. Uh, yeah, right in line with Chelsea. Man City have been by far and away the best team. Um, and Liverpool have been fourth, fourth best in that respect. Right. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's just a point worth mentioning. Obviously, you know, um, we expect people like Salah and Jota to do their thing, and that's the thing. That's the upside with Trent, as much as he's seven points two, I think, or seven point three now. It yeah. is as a result of him returning, as if he's a midfielder, because he's going to return. At some point or another, um, an assist, and then if he scores a goal, that's a bigger return. So it does, um, it does weigh itself up because at least if you run the risk of losing the clean sheet early for a Liverpool team, you also run the bigger risk of, um, potentially returning a big amount of points from somebody like Trent, who's going to always be in and amongst those type of attacking returns. So I think that is definitely a nice thing to, a nice thing to ponder on. Another thing I wanted to touch on as well is I glad I'm glad you made that point about the rotation risks that are going to be run with these teams coming up. What do you think outside of probably somebody like Zinchenko we mentioned, um, Regulon is another option. Who are some picks that you would tell somebody? Okay, these are picks that you might be secure with with regards to rotation risks. So I know you said that people are they'll be choosing players, especially coming up who can last 90 minutes, who are some of the players that you think would be um, ideal to have now who would run the least risk of being benched and rested um, on any given week? For sure. Well, first of all, I think you have to have a look at the um, the manager that you may be coming up against. Obviously, Pep and Tuchel are both renowned for rotating. Um Probably some of the best picks are going to come from Crystal Palace, West Ham, uh, Brentford if they can get their clinical shooting boots on. Um, and you, you, you'll have the likes of probably Manchester United, you can imagine Ronaldo's probably fairly nailed. But if, if you were looking for, you know, nailed players, you'd probably look at uh, 
West Ham really because they are still in all the cup competitions. Um, but they play they play their second team in the cup competitions. So they completely change their starting lineup. You know, maybe Ben Rama gets a run out or uh, Bowen plays up top or something. But generally, um, you know, they play their first team in the league. So I wouldn't imagine that they would really change the front three of Bowen, Ben Rama and uh, Fornells in the league. Same with Crystal Palace. You wouldn't expect them too much to change up. You know, Zaha would, or someone like that would be pretty nailed. Um, so I think I think you really want to look at the teams who are doing well, who aren't renowned as those top teams. Um, generally, the Liverpool players are fairly nailed. You know, you can you can have a look at injuries and things like that. So you can see that uh, Firmino's injured, so therefore Jota is nailed almost. You know, I mean, I suppose you can't call him nailed because Origi kind of played well when he came on the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, in terms of starting games, Jota's going to start 9 out of 10 anyway, so you, you could call that nailed realistically. Um, yeah, I, I think it's teams like that, really, that you want to look out for. Teams that are doing really well, but, you know, maybe they have injuries that, you know, keep some players out of a team so you can select the replacement or teams who don't tend to rotate much and play their second team in cups and things like that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, as a City fan, I'm, I've always been privy to this rotation risk. Um, so I guess moving forward, that's definitely something that I personally want to have to look at um, as I'm currently a, a owner of two City players. That's probably going to change in the future because um, unless I see that as a trend where somebody like uh, Foden is getting played consistently or Diaz, I probably am going to move away from them as consistent picks until the fixtures is lighting up. Especially seeing that City now are no longer in the Carabao Cup. They haven't been for a while and they are already progressed to the second round in the UCL. First place as well. So there's nothing for them to guarantee in the last game of the UCL coming up. So those are things I'm going to keep in mind moving forward. Um, just on the note of West Ham players as well, just so everybody can know, how is West Ham currently doing in the European campaign? Because I know that's something that's going to be of importance to them as well, probably just under the Premier League's performances. Mm. And are they going to be using starters as much going forward or are they in a position where they can afford to rest some players? So, at the moment, West Ham, or I say at the moment, actually, for the remainder of it, West Ham are top of their group. Um, We had a group including Genk, Rapid Vienna, and another team that I can't think of. Um, But we've topped the group fairly easily. Um, We're on 13 points after five games, which is uh, four wins and a draw. Uh, Guaranteed to go through in first place. I would really think that David Moyes would literally play an entire second team in the final game. Um, As far as I'm aware, the round of 16 doesn't start until after the new year. So I don't think that rotation will be an issue for West Ham. Um, The other teams that are in the um, Europa League, actually, I think Tottenham, 
need to win their next game in order to qualify. Uh, same with Leicester, because I don't think either team has done massively well. Um, I think it's just West Ham who are, in fact, favourites to win the Europa League, last I checked. Um, they are, you know, they're top, they're through, um, and I don't think they've got any rotation worries. Good. Um, but yeah, so I think that's um, that's always something that I always look at, the midweek fixtures because i think it has a a carryover effect to the premier league performances especially if a team either needs to qualify or doesn't need to qualify so that's something we're definitely gonna have to keep our eyes on going forward mm. and going forward i think we've mentioned a lot i think we've heard a lot about this um this resurgence in crystal palace because um as you mentioned i think crystal palace you said a third um for goals conceded behind Man City and Chelsea, which is something that people wouldn't know off the top of their head. I definitely didn't know that. But I did know that um, they were up there after you mentioned to me that they were um, towards the top of um, XG, XGC, um, expected goals conceded. So what do you recommend or what do you tell people that in terms of form players, you're definitely going to have to see yourself bringing in a couple of Crystal Palace players going forward. I know you mentioned Benteke already, but somebody like a Gallagher, Maybe even a Zaha, would you would you say that those people are people to definitely look at to transfer in? Yeah, for sure. And obviously <laughs> I've got a lot of disappointment from last week after I mentioned Benteke so much on the podcast and then I made a U turn. I um ended up doing a goalkeeper swap and I bought in Guaita. Um big mistake. Well, no, <laughs> not a big mistake really, because I would have taken out St Maximin. Uh, who got 10 points on his own, but um, no, Benteke is still someone who's high on my radar. He's going to be in my wild card, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, barring an injury or something like that. Um, just for Crystal Palace's run of games uh, after game week 14, I think, obviously, they play Leeds, Man United, Everton, Southampton, Watford, Tottenham, Norwich, all in a row, who've conceded a lot of goals. So he's golden up until game week 20, really. Um, Gallagher is one you've got to look for. I think, um, you know, Gallagher's been box to box all year. He's been scoring double digits sometimes, and he's only, was he 5.5 million or something like that? He's really outperforming his uh, price tag at the moment. Uh, 5.8 he is now. Uh, He started the season at 5.5, and he's just rocketed. Um, So I, I think in my wild card i'll be taking gallagher i'll be taking benteke i don't know if i'll be taking their defense it's a good defense but it's just about us yeah the thing is you've I've, I've got so many good options in defense it's sort of coming up so the wing backs basically um you know looking at regulon alonso trent cancelo who is, if you know, um, their least expensive defender that starts? So the, the defender Crystal that Palace? costs the least. Yeah, the defender that costs the least but starts. Um, I, they've got a few defenders who are around 4.5, I believe. So they've got, um, I don't know how to say his name, Gwaihi. Um, Anderson, I think, is 4.5 as well. Um, 
yeah, both of them are 4.5. Kuyate, 4.5, and Ward, 4.5. Literally, all their defenders are at 4.5. Because um, mm. I think if if we're going that option or that route, I think that probably is one way in, where you, in which you find yourself with a Crystal Palace defender is if you went big on Trent, Cancelo, James, and you need like a fourth, fifth option who's um, somebody's going to save you some sort of cash. I think that's the way to go. I can see myself doing that because I would definitely love to have five starting defenders. I think that's a key at this point. And somebody like um, that person from um, Norwich, um, he, he's, he's definitely um, not starting consistently. If I can find somebody, because he's 3.9, I know it's a bit of a jump, but if I can get somebody around that same price, 4.5, who's starting and for a defensive week, decent team in Crystal Palace who do have decent fixtures. Um, I don't see why not. I I would definitely um, at least consider buying him um, and then look to spend the money. The bigger cash, um, definitely on the top, the big three in Trent, Cancelo, James, probably Rudiger, Hakeem Rudiger, um, and around those defenders. So I think that's one way in which you could them. It's worth considering as well that the Crystal Palace defenders aren't just good at the back you know these are players who are good in the air as well Anderson especially you know he scored a goal against um in fact no he didn't he got the assist against Burnley uh from a a corner and you know over his last um three games he's played Man City Wolves and Burnley you know Man City and Wolves are in good form Burnley potentially not so much uh and he's got six six and nine points so he's he's definitely he's definitely someone to consider. The problem is it it's tripling up on Crystal Palace and yeah, the defender slots are quite precious at the moment for the wing backs where most wing backs seem to be getting in the box more than they ever have before. As well. Yeah, so I guess um those are options that you kinda have to weigh. Um, but it is interesting because I think this type of information is information that's going to help people at least gain some positions on those in the mini leagues and by extension the overall rankings is if you can hit these smaller clubs in their good runs. So somebody like Crystal Palace had a great run defensively um, and moving forward you can definitely see yourself gaining a few precious positions if you hit right with these smaller options like the people who don't cost as much as the big name people who are going to um, attract all the attention. So I guess it's definitely um, pertinent that they know that. Outside of Crystal Palace players, and probably Jimenez, as we already spoke about, who else would you... Is there any other players that you can see that you deem inform? Let's go away a, a minute from the, the likes of Salah and Trent. Who else would you consider to be bang inform, somebody who you should buy, somebody who you should look at? Hmm. Well, it's, it's if anybody quite... else. Yeah, it's quite interesting because obviously um, in the last two games, the four most informed players are all defenders. So, Alexander, right. like you said, um, Cancelo, Reese James, and interestingly, Kyle Walker comes into it as well. Um, it looks like he's been getting forward a lot more. He's got an XG, uh, sorry, an XA, so expected assists over the last two of 1.3. So, you know, he's he was expected to get one and a half assists over the last two games, which is a lot, obviously the clean sheets as well that he's getting um, bonus points, things like that so he's in there 
Um, Trossard is someone who is very interesting, and that's over the last um, you know three to five games that he's been playing up front on his own for Brighton. Um, he's listed as a midfielder this year, um, six point five million cost, um, and obviously when you're playing out of position, um, you're you know you're more in the action, you know. Five points for a goal, you don't need to really go into it. But he's playing up front for a team who are playing quite well in Brighton. Um, whether Brighton have good fixtures coming up is probably a different matter. Uh, his next game is a, is Leeds United. You know, hard game. Uh, sorry, that'll probably be one of his best games. Then he goes into a hard game of, um, you know, West Ham. Then he's got Southampton, uh, Tottenham. So I think he's certainly in with a good shout. You've also got, um, if I look at sort of over a slightly longer term, um, Bernardo Silva is probably an interesting one. Um, he's obviously fairly rotate, uh, fairly nailed in Pep's team. He's not rotated too much. Um, yeah. Again, rated seven, cost seven point two. Um, like I said, I was actually looking to bringing him into my wildcard team. You know, of the last five games, he's played four point nine eight. I think he got like a late substitute um, in one of the games, um, but he's got an extra over the last five of two and a half. So he's that's basically one goal every other game. You know, an X an XA of 0.81 um, gets a couple of points for clean sheets and he's got four bonus points over the last five. Um, so he's someone fairly cheap, um, you know, nailed and he is doing well as well. Um, more recently, Puki, interestingly enough, is uh, probably considered in form at this point. He's got a fairly high XG of 1.03 over the last two. Um, I think the last game he got a uh, Three bonus points because he scored the only goal. No, he didn't. He scored the winning goal, sorry, against um, Southampton, which gave him some extra bonus points. And again, in a team like Norwich, where they don't score many goals, if they do win, Pukki's likely to be in the in the bonuses. There's there's a few in there. Oh, Regulon's probably another one you've got to consider because... Right. I know, I know we've spoken on him a couple of times now, but he's, you know, he kept a clean sheet a couple of games ago against Everton, and then last game he scored a goal. Um, if he keeps that up and he can get, you know, a goal and a clean sheet in the game, he could be looking at, you know, 12 points plus. Um, so I think he's one to keep an eye on as well. I think there's quite a few options this week. I, I wouldn't know who the most informed player actually is it, it is just one of the defenders so you know alexander arnold cancelo and james they are the three most informed players and they are head and shoulders above the rest is there anyone that you've looked at as uh informed that i've, I've yes missed? i said no i think you i think you've covered them all um probably even added a few there that I, I probably would have overlooked um i've always been touting Jimenez. Um, since I've owned him. I guess that's basically why I've been touting him because I own him and I wanted to just draw um, attention to my masterclass. But um, outside of that, I 
I have been I have been very satisfied with his performances. I think, um, as you mentioned to me, and it was a very interesting point that you made with regards to team like that, teams that are built around the striker. So in in a sense, you're playing with one striker and you have a diamond going forward towards him. The attention is going to be um, through him, like consistently. So what you find end up happening is that, if, for example, and you made this point earlier in one of our discussions, that if a team like Brighton scores, it's usually going to be Mope. And if Mope is the person that scores, it's usually going to be him that collects three bonus points because Brighton would usually get all their attacking reasons through him. Same as mm-hmm. Jimenez. So if your picks, I think this is a point to note for those people who are looking for another reason to pick players. If your picks can be surrounded on players such as those as well, you might find yourself in a nice patch. Now, I'm not saying that that person is guaranteed to score consistently. But if they do get into a position where they are scoring every one, every other game, probably getting assists a game too, you will see yourself in always, always in contention for those coveted bonus points because they are going to be up there attacking wise um, with their club not really being an attacking club. So another example that comes to mind um, outside of Wolves and Brighton would be a team like as you mentioned, Crystal Palace, where they've been seeing a lot of focus like very, very recently now on Benteke, before it was Gallagher. There's, there's been a... Zaha has been playing through all of that, but he hasn't really been attacking, but he would have been another centre of focus. But they usually have one main person that they are looking at um, to attack, which is the complete opposite to a team like City, who, even though they're expected to score um, the top five, top three in terms of goals scored for the season, They'd usually have nobody in probably the top five, top ten goal scored individually. I think Gundogan was our top goal scorer last season and he only scored 14 or 15 goals. But the team in general scored over 100 goals for the season. So you see there that the disparity in choosing attacking assets, which is why usually midfielder-wise, you'd go somebody with like Salah, who is the focus of goal scored for Liverpool, as opposed to somebody like um, Bernardo or Jesus for City because they don't you wouldn't be guaranteed that if they score 100 goals Jesus would score 25% it usually would be that Jesus would score like um, 8 to 9 10 goals um, and share that yeah and then share that with um, probably 10 other players who um, have at least scored a goal so I think that's something else that we should note with those um, points being made um, so I think at this point we can um, go towards our predictions. I think that's something we forgot last episode, and yeah, it'll be it was, fun. Which is a shame. <laughs> we definitely need to um, definitely need to keep track of these predictions because I I love to see um, how they end up turning out because it's always great to have hindsight in those type of situations um, and see what you were thinking before and after. Um, so if you want, I can start off and we can go um, back and forth here. The first game that we have is Arsenal Newcastle. Um, I guess I'll start here and I will say I predict an Arsenal victory. Um, however, I do want now. This is something that I'm going to be keenly looking at. I do I, I do see Newcastle getting through because their attacking prowess has probably showed itself approved last week. And I want somebody like Wilson to get in as well. 
So I'm going to say 2-1 to Arsenal. Um, I think that's a fair result. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't think Newcastle will get in, to be honest. I think Arsenal will try and shore up the defence after last week. So I'm going to say 2-0 to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Yeah, we have to make sure to note this too, so I remember it. Yeah, um, right. mine down on my phone. <laughs> right. Um, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, where do you think that's going? That's a really hard one. You've got an informed Crystal Palace side with Vieira as a manager versus Aston Villa side. Uh, an Aston Villa side with Gerard as the new manager. That's a really tricky one. I'll have to say one all, I think. And yourself? Tricky. I think, yeah, I think one all hits the nail on the head because I think they're both going to be looking to score, but at the same time, I don't think they're going to want to um, concede in excess, especially with both new managers looking to shore up defences. Um, Crystal Palace, however, have been the better defensive side. So if either one of them are to keep a clean sheet, I probably would tell them for it. But one all would be my prediction as well for that. Mm. Southampton, Liverpool. I think I will go here. Southampton, Liverpool is a, uh, another one that, you know, um, it looks as if it's pointing itself into one direction. I don't really want to predict against it. I really do see Liverpool, and especially in the goal-scoring form that they're in of late. Um, getting a few past Southampton. I think 3-0 is what I predict. I mean, I think Southampton will have one or two chances, but I don't see them unless Liverpool make a, a grave mistake in the back. Um, I don't see them getting in, so I think 3-0 is my my prediction. Okay. I, I'm going with a massive scoreline. I'm sick as uh, Hassan, who always has his yearly... Um, goal fest where his team lose by six or seven goals. I'm saying six nil. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, unlike it's unlikely, but I have a feeling it'll be big. If it's big, it'll be really big. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's fair. Norwich Wolves. Now, this is another game that is personal because I own Jimenez. I do see Wolves scoring. However, Wolves aren't known for scoring in excess of 2-3 in a game. Um, and Norwich have shown themselves able to score at least once in the last few games. So I don't put it past them to score. But I do think Wolves would show up the defence again because they, they were able to shut out a, a very rampant um, West Ham team who've been very well attacking last week. And I do see them doing the same against Norwich. I'll say 1-0. Hopefully that one goal goes to Jimenez again and he gets the bonus point. Mm-hmm. For me, this game... What, what did you say your prediction was? Because I've gone with 1-0 Wolves. Is that what 1-0, yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. I've, I've gone with exactly the same. 1-0, 1-0 Wolves. I can't see that really... Really changing. I can't see Norwich scoring against a good Wolves defence. And at the same time, I think Norwich are going to try and not concede a lot of goals. But ultimately, I, I think Jimenez will get in or Huang, maybe. Yeah. We hope Jimenez, but, uh, you know, 
Could could be any of them. Uh, Brighton Leeds is the next one. Here's another tricky one because I can see Brighton being solid at the back, but I always don't want to put it past Leeds being able to score against anybody. Um, and they did score against a Conte team that would have set up to be defensive. Mm. And it definitely looked difficult. At least have scored two in that first half that they put out. Um, but I do want to say Leeds are also very depleted at this point. Um, they've been experiencing a lot of injuries of late. And Rafina may not be a chance to be 100%. Um, but because of the Leeds way, I'm going to give them a goal. So I'm going to predict um, this is going to be a one-all draw. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I agreed with you for the most part. I, the only difference I've really got is that I think Brighton might, might actually score a couple of goals because I think Leeds' defence is quite depleted. Yeah. I think Leeds are going to go out and try and score, and that's where I think Brighton will catch them. I think they might catch them on the counter-attack. I think I could see Trossard scoring a couple of goals. So I've gone with uh, 2-0 to Brighton for that one. Yeah. Um, next one, Brentford-Everton, and... I've got an interesting scoreline down for this one. I've said nil-nil. The reason I've gone for that is because I simply can't see either team scoring. Uh, If anything, I could probably see Brentford more likely to score. I could see it as a 1-0. I could see it as a 1-0 to Brentford. I could see it as a 1-0 to Everton. But Everton are going forward. They're a bit off form at the moment. Um, Brighton defence should be renowned for being quite good. and I think now that they're settling in with their keeper, um, possibly that could reflect in the scoreline. Um, yeah, Everton haven't got their strikers in. Brentford haven't got their shooting boots on. Nil-nil for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think for me, though, is... I always look at it as an individual game as opposed to probably a run of games. So even though Benford have, haven't had their shooting boots on, I know them to be capable of producing attacking performances where they can break down even the best. Because let's not forget, this is the same Brentford team that scored three times in response to Liverpool earlier in the season. And obviously that was when they were in their run of form. But it is, they are capable. It is the same team that did that. So I'm going to tip the balance just a little bit and say that Brentford is going to get in and score once. So my prediction is 1-0 because I don't see Everton, as you pointed out, they don't have their striker options and they have not been very convincing going forward of late at all. So 1-0 to Brentford. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what's the next game? Burnley Spurs. This is going to be an interesting one. What, what do you think of that? I, I think... Because, I mean, firstly, we'll go back to the Leeds game. Um, Kane had the ball in the penalty area, but that was about it. Um, I can't say that he's been um, very persuasive in his movements. He's he's very, very deep, like ridiculously deep. The balls though, that he's been putting forward when he does collect a deep have been like magnificent, but they've been just ending up in either people miscontrolling, crosses going to nobody. And because he's the person giving those forward passes, then usually it's a case where they have nobody to aim to in the box. So with that being said, um, I honestly, and I'm probably going to make a shocking prediction here, 
but I honestly don't see Tottenham scoring. I think this is going to be one another one of those um dice masterclass, and I can see Burnley hitting them, especially with their height and size. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting result in one nil to Burnley because I can see Burnley keeping a clean sheet against this Tottenham team, and I can definitely see Burnley at least hitting them once on a on a um. And I said, please, because I know that's their specialty. So mm. that's, that's really interesting because I had exactly the same logic. I, I, in my, I sort of, when I was thinking about it, I thought, yeah, Spurs aren't going to score. Can't see it. I think uh, Ben Me and Tartowski have, have a good pairing. Um, mm-hmm. I can see Burnley scoring, and I can see them, like you said, either scoring from a corner. I think Cornet could be a good, good shout because he's been ruthless against a lot of defences and that's some decent defences as well uh, so I've said 2-0 to Burnley wow okay um, the next one is Leicester Watford uh, for that one I've said 2 all. Uh, I just think Leicester just aren't in form enough to beat Watford I think Watford have still got their Ranieri manager bounce uh, so I could see King and Dennis maybe getting a goal each, maybe a you know a defender or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that maybe Barnes, Madison, uh, Vardy could get a couple of goals as well. I I probably I probably am going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to say this is going to be a Leicester win, and I think that after that very 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 poor performance against Chelsea, um, I forgot his name. Leicester are going to look to very much shore up that defence because that defence is very leaky. And that midfield mm. was very, very spacious against Chelsea. So I actually see a change in mentality and I see a Leicester team as going there to firstly guarantee a clean sheet and then secondly go to attack and beat a Watford that have been playing very good football of late. And I do see them doing it. So I, w- I would say 2-0 to Leicester. Hopefully a Vardy masterclass, a Vardy party. And they keep the clean sheet. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Uh, the next game is Man City versus West Ham. This is me v you, Man City West yes, Ham. Is. This is it. <laughs> uh, who goes I, first? This one because we keep letting each other go first on uh, when it's our teams. I think I think five minutes to Man City. What do you think? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> wow. um, to be honest, I think three um, 0 to Man City. So that's the score I've put down. <laughs> I I I'm gonna put some. Re- I don't know why you're not putting respect on your own team. I'm gonna put some respect on West Ham. The last time we played them that I remembered, I watched the game. Antonio of all people got it. Um, I don't see him scoring in this game, but I do see, um, because of the intense games that he played, well, the intense game he played against PSG particularly, and the, the likelihood of rotation being a risk. I do see West Ham getting in at least once because West Ham have been great attacking-wise. And they're one of the teams whose playing styles might be able to match up against the press of Man City because they have both the speed to run at City in Antonio and Bowen, but they also have the um, finesse in Ben Rahman and, and Co and Declan Rice to hold up the ball and, and play the passing game as well. So I probably... Will give them the benefit of the doubt of scoring, but I do see City in the form that they're attacking wise scoring. Um, so instead of 3 0, I'm going to go 3 1 to Man City. 3 1. No, I think that's fair enough. I, I, I can't see. I just can't see. 
West Ham scoring against such a good defence, to be honest. It's the best defence in the league. You know, Wolves managed to keep them out. Um, I think probably some of the players are tired. Antonio is not playing too well. I think maybe this is the game where West Ham go, you know, yeah, this is your game. We'll go on to the next one. But we like to hope. But yeah, 3-0 to Man City, I think, is completely fair. Uh mm-hmm. The last game is Chelsea versus Man United. That's going to be an interesting one. I And this is what I hate about somebody like a Ronaldo being in the squad because you always have to um, leave some, some room of consideration for him. Um, and regardless of what type of fixtures looking like, you're always going to have to put some sort of probability on whatever team he plays for to at least get in on goal. Um, but with that in mind, I do see Chelsea. I mean, the way they dominated Ju- Juventus, for example, in the UCL, just just speaks to the the type of football Tuchel has gotten this team to play. And then more so, it's the dominating way in which they're winning these games is something that you're going to have to keep your eyes open out for. Which is why, again, personally, hey, I just have to plug that you know we we were able to beat them. But you know, that's beside the point. Um. This is this is a team that is in 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 great form and they're playing um I think some of the best football of their careers at to this point. So I I do see I actually would predict a Chelsea dominating victory. Um hoping it's a clean sheet as a Chelsea defending um owner. And I'm gonna say 2-0 to Chelsea. Yeah, that's exactly the same scoreline as I've got down. Exactly the same reasons. Um you know, yeah, I can't, I can't see Man, Man United scoring, to be honest. Um, Chelsea's defence is just a little bit too good at the moment. I will be interested to see if uh, there's any issues with, you know, Alonso coming back in now, whether, you know, he might be a little bit rusty, having not played for a few weeks properly. Um, overall, no, I think he'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I think Chelsea, Chelsea winning 2-0 be a long run is Lukaku back now I can't remember I think I heard talk that he's going to be back for this particular fixture so yeah he might be um I can't mm-hmm. confirm that though but I did remember seeing that he's going to be back or should be expected back for this game week if that's the case then uh all the more for Chelsea to win that game so yeah 2-0 um yeah yeah I think that's it. I think that's it, really. Um, I think I think my transfer for this week is um, secured at this point. I'm more than likely bringing in Jimenez for uh, Antonio. Um, mm-hmm. See how it goes, and uh, my captaincy is still yet to be decided between Salah and Arnold. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I'm going to go with Salah. And uh, pretty sure we're kind of agreed on that, to be honest. Yeah, uh, decent captaincy ends. I'm going to definitely be captaining Salah, unless I get up tomorrow morning and I and something takes me otherwise. But I definitely would be. It's more than likely Salah. It's a safe fixture. Um, it's a safe option in terms of expected ownership as well. And I'd really want to run the risk of getting a, a red arrow just because I wanted to try a punt, which really didn't have much upside to. So yeah. Salah, Club, Vice Captain Jimenez. Um, the transfer thing, though, is something I haven't sorted out yet. I just read an update from Pep stating that Phil is feeling better. Phil and Jack Grealish, they're both feeling better. They had training, I think, yesterday. 
and they're resting today so tomorrow well this is speaking in uk time so your time um they will be training again before he makes his um selection for sunday because they play sunday which is the only bad thing because i'm pretty sure now in his press he's not going to really mention otherwise about it and i'm gonna just have to wait and see i'm probably gonna hope that i get some sort of news update on him because i do see Foden doing something against west ham um if not then jutta to Foden, Foden to jutta and probably mccarthy to sanchez are going to be my two transfers um for this week if Foden is healthy and fit to play i would i do see him starting because he was rested um for both the everton game and the psg game then i might just risk not having jota for another week and i might risk just running with mccarthy at least for one more game week because he's always a shout in for um save points anyway um might be you know shout in for bonus points too if south Alton have a really good defensive game so yeah that's where i am at right now but definitely i'm going to wait at least until closer to the deadline to make my decision which i hate but, you know, that's how the situation is right now. So, yeah, that's how I'm looking. Perfect. Excellent. But Should we... I think I'm not... Mm-hmm. All right, go on. No, you go. Yeah, I think on that note, um, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover. Um, We should also expect a podcast coming through very soon. I think we agreed on Monday, Monday to have the other... Yeah. The next, the next episode because the fixtures are coming fast and quick. I think the first game for the next game week is Tuesday, so we're gonna try our best to get that to you all before um Tuesday starts. So that should be Monday, early Monday, um as well. So we'll see how that goes. Also, I've been getting messages um about some of the probably the technical issues that have been showing up in the episodes. Um, for those who are listening, try your best to let me know early on if you hear any during the podcast that you're listening to because most of the time I'm just downloading voice tracks, the audio from the recordings, putting them together, matching them up and then uploading them because they are usually our plus long and we really have that much time to listen to it again um, extensively to really pinpoint all the errors that might occur. I'm also trusting the program and the program sets it up properly for me as well, but sometimes, you know, technology fails. So anytime you have any kind of issues, technically wise, you don't hear us properly, probably parts are not audible. Sometimes the audio crosses and they're played at the same time by mistake, just let me know and I'll edit it to suit. Um, try to get it to me early too, so that I can get it edited before majority of people listen to it. Um, and yeah, again, extension to all those who are listening. This is also open to you. Don't feel as if it's a select group that do the podcast. We're opening the invitation to anybody who plays FPL. You want to add your opinions. You feel as if you have something to talk about, something you might have missed, something that you have noticed yourself. Feel free to come and join. Feel free to message me or Callum about joining. We'll send the Discord link to you where we record our podcast and the floor will also be yours. I think on that note, we can end. Um, thank you very much for those who are listening. Um, any last words, Callum? yeah so we'll be here bright and early again monday i don't want to say morning because you know time zones and all that but monday whatever time we'll be here again and trying to get the most pertinent fpl news to you uh, before the next game week so thank you again and we'll see you then